A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, a weekly show where we talk through the ups and downs of work today and help you to take action to support your development. And one of our business values is useful. And we're now producing lots of different resources every week to make your time spent listening and learning as useful as possible. So we've got worksheets, we've got summaries, we've got live sessions. They are all free and you can sign up for them in our weekly Squiggly Careers Podmail email so that you can get to everything and never miss out. And the link for that is in our episode description. So today we're talking about problem solving. We've actually had some problem solving even first thing this morning because for the first time in a long time, we are recording this podcast in the same room, (laughs) uh, which creates new challenges. And we've solved that problem by me recording this now with my microphone balanced on an ironing board. So I don't usually use an ironing board, but today it's come in very, very handy. So when we think about problem solving, we were reflecting on what does this mean? And then how can we be helpful with the ideas for action that we're going to share today? And problems we think, are perhaps different to challenges in that challenges are still complicated, perhaps unfamiliar. They're often more known. I think challenges you know that you've got a challenge to overcome or a challenge to think through. And that's how we've sort of tried to make the distinction between the two is problems are, whether it's within a day or in a week or within a year, you kind of didn't know that it was coming your way. And I think within squiggly careers where we know those just loads of complexity, lots of knotty moments, lots of ambiguity. Problem solving is something that I'm sure everyone listening probably does every day in some way. And I think the better you become, the more tools and the more tactics you have to help you solve problems, the more you'll be able to achieve your objectives. And whether that's your objectives in your day-to-day job or your objectives and goals for your career. And actually, when you look at some of the reports that LinkedIn put out about the most in-demand soft skills, problem solving is one of the top five skills. So I think if you can really invest in your problem solving skill set, it not only helps you today, but it also helps you with your career resilience too. It's one of those transferable talents that we talk about that's in demand by your employer today and you know whoever you're going to work for in the future. And a useful starting place might be to think about sort of a problem-solving scale today and what type of problems you might be spending most of your time on. And we think that there are sort of two ends to this scale. There are the small and short-term problems and there are some of the significant, harder, long-term problems. And it's not that one type of problem-solving is better than another, but there are pros and cons to both. So, for example, the small and short-term problems, that's more like the everyday stuff, you know, those unexpected things that pop up in your inbox or in a meeting and you're like, ah, I didn't know I was going to have to deal with that thing today. (laughs) And the advantage of it 
it is, I think sometimes you can make quite a quick impact. You can get stuff done. I think you can show your strengths quite quickly to people in those moments. But the danger sometimes, I think you can often get stuck solving the same problems because the same things can pop up again and again. There's this thing called tunneling, which is where you get, you know, you're so focused on solving the problems particularly if they just keep coming up day after day. It's like that firefighting thing that sometimes you don't look outside of the problem to think, well, what's causing this? Like, what's the root cause? How do I stop it at the root so I don't have to keep solving it every day? And so it's just a bit of a watch out if you find yourself spending most of your time on small problems, particularly if it's some of the same ones that just keep popping up over and over again. Have you got an example, Sarah? Small problems that you've been solving Well, I think when I think about when I worked in corporate affairs and you're working more with like media and journalists, it wasn't that I felt like we were tunneling. I think it's just it was naturally a very reactive job where you never quite knew what problem you were going to need to solve that day. So you were constantly having to reprioritize. It was quite a common occurrence that your day would like go out of the window. And actually, I always found that kind of problem solving hard it took me a while to get used to because I'm a natural planner and we're going to talk about kind of more significant problems in a minute I think I am more of a natural kind of big problem solver and I don't think I'm I was quite as good naturally at those short-term unexpected like you say suddenly something comes into your inbox which throws out your day almost getting your head into the right mindset to then solve that problem quickly and to feel comfortable about letting stuff go I think that was a real example of where you know, like you learn by doing, Mm. I got better at solving problems quickly, just by being in an environment where that was the nature of that job. And I think it was why I felt so far out of my comfort zone for quite a long time, because it just felt really different. That kind of a job felt really different to anything I'd done before. So I think I got better at it through almost putting myself in that kind of team that that was the nature of the work. So the other types of problems then, and Sarah, maybe these are the ones that you're going to have to let me know, but these are the significant longer term problems, the ones that just take more time to solve. And they might be, you know, they might be bigger problems from the outset as well. And the advantage of these ones, if these are the ones that you are good at, these are the ones that you spend time on, I think this is where you can make more meaningful change sometimes because they are more significant. But sometimes the watch out here is you can get stuck in these because they are so big, particularly if you might be approaching it on your own or feel like you know this is a thing for you to solve I think sometimes you can get stuck and maybe maybe even stall in those situations because they can feel quite overwhelming and we were talking actually about the different types of problems and whether some of the problems that you face might be more people type problems and some of them might be more about like processes or projects and I think one of the examples I thought of about more kind of significant problem that was both complicated and unexpected was more of a people problem for me which is I when I first joined Sainsbury's the manager who had recruited me very quickly I think within about six weeks was then off to do another job and was leaving the company and I was there in a new job I didn't know anyone in a new company no one really knew me or what I was meant to be doing and actually the person who was meant to be replacing her also changed their mind, didn't end up kind of turning up either. So I had this kind of long period of time of thinking, oh, wow, I sort of got this problem that I didn't know I was going to need to solve, which is I don't know the organisation. I'm not 100% sure what my objectives are meant to be. How do I craft my job, but also create the connections that I need to kind of get my job done? So it was almost like a people one. And I definitely felt, to Helen's point about sometimes feeling quite stuck or stalling, 
I felt a bit stuck because I was in that quite by myself. I wasn't really part of a team because I was meant to be setting up a new team. And I felt quite lonely and quite isolated, I think, because I was thinking, I don't know how to solve this. I've not kind of done this before. I was very used to knowing people in organisations who could help me. And so that was a really interesting problem to solve. And as we talk about some of the ideas later in the podcast, I think a couple of the ideas for action we're going to talk about really helped me to solve that problem for myself in terms of how I felt about doing that job, but also then to do a better job of the job itself. So before we go on to the ideas for action, I think it is useful just to pause and think, what types of problems do you spend most of your time solving today? And what is the advantage that creates for you in your career? And what sometimes might that cause in terms of a challenge? It's just useful for you to think about that. But when you've done that reflection, we've got ideas for you. We've got ideas (laughs) for how you solve them. And what we've actually done is we have taken a report that McKinsey have produced, which is all about like a problem-solving mindset, actually. It's got six different ways in which you can shift your mindset and take a creative approach to problem-solving. And we've taken that report and there's six different ideas. And what we have done is thought practically about how you put them into action. So we've got some specific approaches, solutions, things that you can try out so that you can take a more creative approach to problem solving and do these things differently so that you can unlock new ways forward. And there's a quote from Albert Einstein. I always laugh whenever I quote Albert Einstein because I think, just just, just quote a genius, Helen. (laughs) But he said that you can never solve a problem on the level on which it was created. And that's why we quite like these ideas because they help you to get to a different level, to approach a problem from a different perspective. And the idea here is that as we go through these six different approaches, you don't necessarily have to take all these different approaches with one problem. It's just about picking an approach that might be appropriate for the problem and trying some different things out, seeing what works for you, doing something that you've not done before. So it's not linear, kind of listen as we go through these six different ideas and think about for the problems that you might be facing at the moment, whether they're small and short term or longer term and significant, which one of these approaches could you try out? And what we will do as well is we'll put the link to the report and we'll summarise these six different approaches in the pod sheet, which you can you can access on our website as well. So shall I go first with number one, Sarah? Go for it. Okay, so the first approach is to practice curious questions. And the idea here is that when you've got your first solution to a problem, it's almost just to sort of probe around that a little bit, see if you can identify some things that might get in the way of that solution and so that you can think it through a bit further. And one of the things that we have done in our sessions and in our business that's helped us is we take the name of our business at Amazing If and we sort of turn that into a question. So the question would be, wouldn't it be amazing if we could find a new market for our product, for example, like whatever problem is you're trying to solve, wouldn't it be amazing if it frames that problem quite positively as a statement? So that's your starting point. And then what you want to do is ask a curious question that can invite some challenge. So the next thing you'd follow that question up with is, It won't work because. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could find a new market for our product? It won't work because our product isn't ready yet or we can't produce our product at scale yet. You know, you really invite these challenges. And then what you do is you invite different ideas and solutions. So the third question that you ask then is one way we could overcome that is. So your three questions are, wouldn't it be amazing if dot, dot, dot. It won't work because dot, dot, dot. 
And one way we could overcome it is dot, dot, dot. And what we have done is in sessions, we've gone through those questions as a group and just started to get curious. Sometimes you get to new solutions, you definitely get to a more open discussion, but it's just about exploring and not always going with the first answer that someone comes out with. And I find it really good, particularly if you're like me and sometimes you're, you want to solve things so quickly that sometimes you move forward with the first answer and it might not always be the best answer. The other thing that I think this approach does really well is it takes the pressure off solving the problem because you've created a bit of space almost to explore the problem before you get to solving. So I think this one is particularly useful for when you do have a bit more time. I don't think for every problem in your day, you're going to be going, well, wouldn't it be amazing if you'd probably get quite annoyed quite quickly. But I think if you have had a problem come your way, you'd not expected it. It feels quite complicated. Maybe it feels overwhelming you're like oh I feel stuck it doesn't feel very solvable having a very open conversation even if it's just a couple of you just going through this process I think you a as Helen said you'll generate lots of ideas I suspect the conversation often goes in directions that you just hadn't anticipated so I think as long as you set yourself the goal for these kind of conversations is just to explore and not to solve you'll get to some really really good opportunities and options that then you can figure out a case what's the so what what do we do next but not feeling like you have to do that in the exact same moment so idea for action two is about channeling your inner imperfectionist so when we are solving problems i think small or big problems we have to embrace the ambiguity and uncertainty that comes with that because if we try to be perfect with everything we won't make progress And I know that this is often really easy to say and much harder to do because we want to do a really good job. We want things to go well. We care about the work that we do. So often we're a perfectionist for some very good reasons and with some very kind of positive intent. But it can mean that when we're trying to solve problems, if if we're trying to be too much of a perfectionist, we stall. And it does feel like we're kind of not moving forward. So, for example, we were thinking about when has this been relevant for us in the last year? So when we were trying to think about a problem where this has been important for us, we found that when we were thinking back to when the pandemic first started, we had a really big problem to solve, which is how do we pivot all of our business online? So in that situation, we could have wasted quite a lot of time trying to find a perfect solution that probably didn't exist, that we'll never know. But the thing that I think worked really well for us was just to focus on, well, how do you start making progress versus that problem how do you actually take action so you're not thinking about it you're very much prioritizing doing over thinking and a really practical thing that we did that really helped us both was we started to have a post-it note wall and it's funny like we don't have it now but it really worked for that moment in time where and on the left hand side of a wall we had lots of post-it notes and each post-it note had one small action something we wanted to do on And then every time we took an action, we moved that post-it note, physically moved it from the left-hand side of the wall to the right-hand side of the wall. And I think what that helped us to do was create the momentum that we needed to just keep making progress towards solving that problem and also not to see it as a binary thing, as a, oh, we've solved that problem now. It's just keep going and kind of learn as you go. And then I think from doing that, you start to figure out, well, what is really helping us to pivot our business oh and actually what doesn't feel like it's as useful and we can probably do a bit less of that 
So I suppose this is it's very much solving a problem by learning by doing and a real emphasis on doing. I think as well, just reflecting on that particular time for us and how we got over a need to kind of get it right first time, I think it's useful to have some kind of forcing function. Like I remember for us, we had one of the clients, so our day-to-day role is delivering career development programmes for companies. And we had a client that we were due to do something face-to-face with that was like, look, can we just, we still want to do this in two weeks time, but can you do it all virtually? And so we were like, okay, we've got to find a solution for that. We've got this date in the diary and that is a commitment that we want to keep. And I wonder whether as well in creating that commitment that you want to keep, whether that's something that you say to yourself or say to other people, it's sort of like a forcing function that you've just got to start. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you've got to get started and it might just give you that that thing to focus on as well. So our third idea for action is all about being a fly on the wall. And the idea here is sometimes with our problems, we can get a bit lost in them. It's almost like, well, what did we do last time we had this problem? And you just use all the information, the insights that you've got today to try and solve them. And that might mean that you don't come up with new solutions. You get stuck solving the same problems because you're not really getting that innovative or creative about how you can overcome them. And what you can do so that you can start to get a different perspective on your problem is to get a bit of distance from it. And that's the idea, really, of being this fly on the wall. And the most easy way to do this is to ask yourself, like, what would somebody else do? So let's say I had a work problem. Like, I was like, oh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed about my workload and I don't know how to take control of it. (laughs) Very realistic problem. What I might think is, well, what would Sarah do? I know what Sarah would do. She would just block out a day and communicate that boundary and make sure that nobody else would encroach upon that boundary. So I'd be thinking, okay, well, I need to get much firmer about protecting my time. Or if I thought about what might my old manager, James, do, he would probably, (laughs) if James was feeling overwhelmed, you know what James would do? Because he's a really social kind of person. He'd be like, screw it, let's just have a team day and have some fun. And and (laughs) that definitely is what he'd do. Because he'd be like, well, that'll distract everyone from the day job a bit, create some new energy, and and we can all bring that energy back to the day job and people won't feel so stuck in a solution. Probably not a bad shout. (laughs) It's never what I would think to do, but it it probably does work. But it's, and I honestly, I hadn't thought of either of those things until I'd said them. And they are both genuine things that both Sarah and James would have done in light of that problem. And it just starts to unlock your thinking, particularly if you just got stuck in like the ways that you've done things before. And therefore you just keep solving the same problem. So be a fly on the wall. Think about some people who just approach things differently to you and ask yourself, what would they do? How would they approach this problem? And we've used this a few times in our business in the last year. And I think the really important point is that you are specific. So this is not asking yourself, what would other people do? Like, make sure you insert the name. What would Helen do? What would Rob do? What would Rachel do? Because as soon as you do that, you almost create in your mind that persona. You almost imagine that person and you can start to think about, well, what's their default problem-solving mode? What did they do really well? And then you can essentially borrow that brilliance from them without even having to talk to them it's a really handy tactic and actually I think this does work quite quickly I think when I've done this it really helps you in the moment if you're trying to solve something quite quickly and you just feel a bit stuck it just opens up a few different perspectives and you think straight away okay yeah I'll try that and then you can just keep going so I think as well if you're just in a week just thinking um why am I not making any progress with this problem this can be really helpful There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So Idea for Action 4 is all about trial and error. And this is about how do you create some tests that take you into the future. So often I think when we're trying to solve a problem, we're very much in the here and now. And we also rely, understandably, on the data that we've collected before or the things that we already know. But we're sort of then assuming that we live in a stable, constant, consistent place and so we sort of need to get into this creation and sort of testing mode. So we thought best way to bring this life is to give you an example. And very relevant to the podcast is we've recently tried to create lots more resources to help you with the podcast. So things like our pod sheets and our pod notes. So we thought, oh, brilliant. We're being really useful there. But that has actually created an unexpected problem for us in that people can't find them. Um, <laughs> You know, we'd sort of thought, well, we're doing something really positive here, which we hope that we are. But we've now almost created this problem for ourselves where people are like, how do you find them? How do I navigate them? You know, we don't necessarily have a community where everybody is all at the same time. You're all really busy. And so we now got this problem that we hadn't anticipated where people will be messaging us on Instagram or perhaps emailing us or contacting us on LinkedIn going, where is this pod note or how do I find that pod sheet? So it's almost, we've kind of created a mess for ourselves. <laughs> You're making it sound really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the resources, in fact, once you find them, if you can find them, they're useful. But finding them is an unexpected problem that we hadn't anticipated that we were going to need to solve. And so then what you can do is start to think about, right, well, how can we just create some small tests to see, can we create some solutions to that problem? So, for example, that's why we've now done this pod mail. And before we even sent it out, we actually just put almost a mock-up of that pod mail. I say we, the raw we, Helen, put a mock-up of that pod mail on our Instagram and just said, does this solve the problem? Like, how helpful is this? And what's really interesting about that kind of trial and error approach is lots of people came back to us and said, sort of, 
some of this would be really good, but have you thought about this extra idea or would you test this additional thought or I've seen something elsewhere that's really helpful. Why don't you borrow that bit of brilliance? So almost through some very quick trial and error. So I think that's only been a week. Yeah. I think in over the course of a week, the problem started to come our way and almost it came in like dribs and drabs. It's sort of the problem built over time. We were like going, oh, this is becoming more and more of a problem. And then in the last week, we've just done loads of trial and error to think, how can we create data? How can we think about what this could look like? And then just get that data back and think, oh, well, that works. That doesn't work. And we're still in that process. I think we're still very in the, sometimes people call it like A-B testing. So we're just like, let's just keep putting things out that give us data. And then we'll start to figure out what feels more useful and also what doesn't work as well. But please sign up for Podmail. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't why we talked about it, but it was a very real problem and a very recent, a recent problem. Or tell us why it's not the right answer. Either way is fine because we're testing and we're trial and error, so it's fine. (laughs) I think that is the good mentality though as well, isn't it? Like you go into it and you continue with that. Like I'm not it's always work in progress. Like it's a work in progress problem. And we're Mm. trying to keep collecting that insight and information and the data to solve the problem better without ever thinking we're going to perfect it. The fifth idea for action is all about cognitive diversity. This is basically about bringing different brains into your problem solving. And the advantage of this is that people will see things from different perspectives. They will have different insights and experiences. And even though one person might not have the solution, together the premises that you can come up with better when you connect those dots that's the benefit of cognitive diversity and it's something if it's a topic you find quite interesting it's something that Matthew Syed talked to us about on a previous episode when we talked about his book Rebel Ideas and just the benefit of bringing different people into a situation to solve a problem I remember I think the time when I've really seen this in action was when I was at Eon because we had this problem and a bit of a challenge to be honest which was about how do we create a new revenue stream for Eon so Eon's a company that sells energy and people are using less energy to become more efficient and this was sort of a problem for the business about well what could we do differently to sustain this but do it in a way that was sustainable for the world as well and it was like this is a really messy difficult challenging problem no one had the solution to that problem and we definitely did a bit of what Sarah was saying trial and error so there was lots of approaches of collecting data about what worked but one of the things that my manager Phil did which I thought was great was he brought this cognitive diversity into the team by setting up like a board and he brought in different brains from outside of the organization the two tims and actually there are two tims and the two toms now i think about it it's so funny there was uh, one guy called tim who had worked in financial services another guy called tim who had a particularly like entrepreneurial innovative brain uh, and done some stuff with government as well so he was bringing a different mindset and a different skill set as well in terms of what he did and then there were the two toms that worked in research and so they had like a customer approach and we had these people on our board and they just brought in lots of different ideas and perspectives and challenges and it was so helpful for the team it really enriched our solutions and made us pause and think differently and I think if you think about as you're approaching a problem who are those brains that you're bringing into the room or the Zoom, however you're approaching this problem solving at the moment. And what is it that they're bringing that you haven't got today? Because I think it's so beneficial to make time for that so that you can just explore a problem from a different perspective. 
And if you think about someone like Priya Parker, where she talks about, you know, why gatherings work and when people come together, when is that particularly effective and useful in organisations? The thing that she often says is missing, kind of the key mistake that people make is not having that purpose. And I think that problem just gives you a very clear focus for people to gather around and all to apply their respective expertise to. So it's something I'm really fascinated in. I think it's really interesting. And then idea for action six is about fast feedback. And I really like this quote from IDEO, who are like a design thinking company. And they say, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a prototype is worth a thousand meetings. And this is the idea of just like create something quickly, get it sketched out, get it onto a bit of paper. This is where you can use all of your creative skills, but without any judgment, which is always the perfect scenario, right? So you can, you know, if you want to build a new website, just draw it first. If you want to create a new product, have a go at building it. If you were spending time in a room with someone like IDEO, they'd get the Lego out and they'd go, right, well, try and build it in Lego. And it's this idea of going, the quicker you create something, the quicker you can get feedback. Because the point here really is about that fast feedback. And sometimes I think we can just keep going, keep tweaking a bit before we get that fast feedback. And then we learn slower And it's funny, like I'm definitely not a perfectionist, but I do find this one harder because it's this idea of it's quite exposing, isn't it? Sometimes to show someone something where, you know, already it could be better and, you know, there are things that you could improve about it. And so it does take confidence and a bit of vulnerability to go. It is very work in progress, but we'd really appreciate just some fast feedback. Like, what do you really like about this? What could be even better if? And I think where we've done this the best in the past six months is showing people different examples for our book cover. And even like Helen and I really quickly, we were like, right, fast feedback for each other. And then I think within that day, we had probably shared it with four or five different networks of people that we were part of, four or five different communities saying, here are three or four covers. They were all work in progress. I really wanted to tweak some of those before we even shared them, but you just sort of have to kind of let that go and just say to people, What do you think? What do you really like? Which one really appeals to you? And what's so interesting about doing that is I think the feedback that we had, like the overall consensus in terms of the one that people found most interesting, the one that people responded most positively to, wasn't necessarily where I think I would have started. And so then we made much more progress as a result because we didn't waste time developing two or three options yeah I think you know when you do that hedge your bets you always think <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna and that also appeals to me actually I'm just gonna hedge my bets and just do two or three just see how it goes not really be more definitive and kind of really going after maybe one option and I think because we did that fast feedback we very quickly went okay so it's something a bit like this so now let's work really hard on making that one absolutely brilliant and then you can put all your energy and efforts into that and it's a much more efficient way I think of of solving a problem of getting to an answer so think about that think about if you're trying to solve a problem quickly could you create anything that would just give somebody the opportunity to look at it and give you some really fast feedback if you're like me it does feel quite uncomfortable because sometimes people will tell you things you already know and you know it's not right but it's worth it in the spirit of going you will definitely learn something new and if you're like me and you're achievement orientated, I just hold on really tight to the fact <laughs> that I will meet my objective, meet my outcomes quicker and better if you can incorporate fast feedback into how you work. And the smart thing as well is that 
I think people then become more invested in the outcome. Yeah, they do. You're right. Because they they feel like they've they've put a bit of themselves into the solution. They've yeah. contributed they to have. it. Yeah. yeah. And then and then when you evolve it, they're like, Oh, how's it going? Do you need any more help? Or mm. and then sometimes there's a bit of pride in there if the thing that they suggested is the thing that sort of got, you know, part of how it's solved. So yeah, it's also quite, I think, a strategically smart move to make as you solve problems, particularly as you might need some support along the way to put them into action. So let's just really quickly summarise the six different approaches that you could take. And as I summarise them, I think have this question in your mind. Which of these six do you think you do well today? Like You're like, yeah, I do that one. That's one that I'm familiar with. And which one of these do you think, hmm, that's an area I could improve. That's a solution that I could try out to how I might approach problem solving. So the six are, the first one was about practising curious questions. The second was to channel your inner imperfectionist. The third was to be a fly on the wall. The fourth was trial and error. The fifth was about cognitive diversity. And that last sixth one was about getting fast feedback. Sarah, one more question to you. Which one of those do you do well today? Which one comes naturally to you? And which one do you think you could spend more time doing or improve on? I think the thing that I do well is I'm good at ambiguity generally and uncertainty. I'm happy to make progress over perfection, as in I will just start to get things done. And I don't worry if I can't see all of the solution, particularly with big problems. So, you know, that point about the post-it notes and just figure out, well, what could we do today? And almost have, you know, like people say, like, trust the process. Mm. I think I do with really big problems. I think I trust the process of if you make progress, you can trust the process. So that one I think I feel good about. I think it suits my strengths and it's something I've got experience doing so I know I can do well. The one I'd like to improve on, so personally, I really recognise the value of fast feedback, but I know I find it hard. It takes me out of my comfort zone. I really appreciate the fact that I think actually that's something you're good at. So we definitely do that. But I always know that I have to take a deep breath before doing it. But the one that I'm really fascinated about is the cognitive diversity point around bringing people together with the purpose of helping to solve a problem. So I'd be really interested for us in thinking about well, what problems, or when we have problems that come our way, who are the people that we could bring together and convene who might help us to think differently, act differently? Because I think I'd just be really intrigued about that as a, as a process. And it's not something that we do today. You know, it's so funny listening to you as well. That question is a curious question. <laughs> and that is such a Sarah thing to do. It's just to think, oh, that, that different question that helps you think differently about it. Well, we hope that has been helpful for you. You know, have these in your back pocket. So the next time that you have something that's unexpected and sometimes might feel like it throws you off course, come back to this podcast, go back to that pod sheet and try out one of these approaches to help you work your way through it. Anything else, Sarah, before we say goodbye to everybody this week? Just really appreciate everybody who has been rating, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast. We read every review and we really appreciate them. It's a small five minute favour that you can do for us. So if you've been listening for a while and keep meaning to give us a star rating and or write a review, you don't have to do both. You can just do the star rating. We would really appreciate it because it helps other people to find our podcast. So if you can do that, if you have a spare minute, we'd really be really grateful. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you ever have any feedback for us, you're always welcome to get in touch with just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. But otherwise, we will hopefully be back with many of you next week, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye for now. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 